Dave Fanning on 2FM. Now, The Banshees of Inna Sheeran may have gotten a lot of the headlines this week, but it's not the only Hollywood movie to have landed Oscar nominations for Irish creatives. Not only have some of our actors gotten the nod for the prestigious award, but so have some of Ireland's best behind-the-scenes talents. One such example is Jonathan Redmond. He's received an Academy Award nomination on Tuesday last for his editing work on Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, and he's here now to tell us all about it. So, Jonathan, you better tell us all about it. First of all, congratulations. Well done. Must have felt really good, did it? Thanks for you, Dave. Yeah, oh, it's such an honour to be kind of even in the conversation with you know so many extraordinary talented people. Uh, it's you know it's quite surreal to be honest. Okay, well let's take a look at the Elvis movie, which was pretty damn fantastic. Is it true the editing process of this film started before a single frame was even shot? And what does that even mean when I say the editing process? That's right, Dave. Uh, I, I first started working on this movie about five years ago. Uh, we started working uh, in New York. When Baz first came up with the idea of kind of doing an Elvis movie, um, you know, he Baz always kind of does a deep dive into research when he's you know looking at a, a story or a scene. And uh, Elvis was uh, his idea, and uh, he wanted to kind of scratch the itch. So, around five years ago, you started putting stuff together, and you were looking for something, or were you? I mean, I know you came across. Um, the unchained melody piece and you realised oh my god and did you all sort of say this is going to be the end of the movie that's right Dave you know we, we, we came actually found that piece of footage on, on YouTube because um, uh, you know we were basically researching kind of all of the visual materials uh, audio visual materials we could find on, on Elvis Presley and you know with a man like that there's, there's a lot of it you know he made a lot of movies there's concert movies documentaries and so forth uh, so we, yeah, we, we found that piece of footage, and uh, it, it was just you know so extraordinary. You know, he, he's a man who's doesn't look like he's in the prime of his life at all, and it, it, it is considered one of his finest performances. So we were like, this is amazing. You know, we you know we were really keen on giving us the the final words in the movie, uh, the man himself. That, yeah, yeah, that, because like a, a really apt way of doing it. Yeah, you did give Elvis, if you like, the last word. All right, no question about that. But I mean, like, how does it work with you and Baz? I mean, you've worked so often with him now over the last twenty-three years on the Great Gatsby ten years ago, on the Netflix series The Get Down, uh, the Chanel Number no. Five ad, everything. Like, do you, is is did the did, do the two of you know each other so well? You just trust each other. Uh, that's right, uh, Dave. I mean, Baz. You know, has a kind of team of collaborators, collaborators, myself included, yeah. that you know he's worked with uh, for many, many years. You know, his, his partner and wife, Catherine Martin, is, is an obvious example of that. Um, and uh, and my co-editor on the on movie, uh, Matt Villa, uh, I've been working with him for for twenty three years uh, since Moulin Rouge. Uh, so uh, we all go way back. Uh, the music guys worked on the Get Down. And, and other projects, uh, so it, it's like a, it's like my second family in a sense. Um, you know, we're we're all not just collaborators and, and colleagues, but friends as well. Um, so it, it, it's a lovely, it's a lovely way of working, and uh, you know, kind of feel very privileged about that. And Baz has this way of doing stuff that actually is probably a help, but it might be. Oh my God, he's not off again! Like kind of, he'd stick up these stickers on the wall and say, "Well, listen, you can't not put this song in, and you have to put this song in, and this song has to be in, and so does this song." Do you kind of go, "Hold on a second, Baz, you can't put them all in"? Oh, it, it was it was kind of mind-boggling. You know, he he did have a big post-it note. In fact. 
you know, you ran out of space on the post-it notes, so there was a series of post-it notes labeled, how can we not, you know, how can we not use the song? And uh, it, it was it was pretty extraordinary. Um, but we uh, we managed to squeeze a lot of them in, uh, a few kind of notable exceptions. Uh, uh, the one, uh, I, I totally agree with them on this one, In the Ghetto is one of my favorite Elvis songs. Yeah. And uh, uh, we'd actually shot a sequence uh, in the jungle room at Graceland uh, with uh, young Austin Butler singing uh, and recording, actually, uh, in the ghetto. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't help the story along uh, in the body of the movie, uh, you know. Having Austin Butler help the movie go along because you could really trust him, couldn't you? Oh, Austin was just a force of nature. He was extraordinary. Um he uh, was so well rehearsed and he had every kind of hair flick and, you know, kind of move down past. Uh, and he actually sang a lot of the music, uh, all, all of the 50s uh, sequences. Uh, but the actual recordings of Elvis uh, weren't good enough for us, for us to use. So, Jonathan, you're working on it, like, for a long time and you have ideas and you realise this has to be in the movie, but obviously things stay on the cutting room floor. So you have a, a four-hour movie minimum, maybe even an eight-hour movie, but it goes down to two hours and 40 minutes. Were you disappointed with some of the stuff that didn't make it in that you would have loved to have seen in there? Oh, there's definitely some amazing uh, sequences, Dave, that did end up on the, the cutting room floor, uh, particularly, you know, kind of Austin's, uh, some of his music performances uh, you know, the bottom line we weren't making a concert film yeah. so you know we were making a dramatic story you know, about the Colonel and Elvis Presley so um, you know we had to make choices which uh, which times were, were deeply unsetting, upsetting uh, cutting away from Austin when he was stinging his heart out on, on the Vegas showroom floor um, was, was really difficult but uh, who knows those, uh, those sequences may see the, the light of day someday. Yeah, right. The director's uh, cut, as it's called. Or maybe the editor's cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Or a combination of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, some of the earliest ideas that did make it through, it must have made you feel good. I get the impression the religious exposure to gospel, I mean, Elvis's, that is, and blues, that made it surely from the yeah. storyboard, didn't it? Oh, definitely. That was a very important thing for Baz to include is, uh, you know, Elvis's kind of musical roots and uh, and some of the sequences were, were really complicated to put together and, and really complicated to shoot. So we did a lot of work in pre-production, you know, kind of putting those musical weaves, going back to the Pentecostal church and the juke joints and, you know, kind of seeing how Elvis was influenced by his surroundings, um, where he grew up. So uh, it was a huge very important part of the story. And you always knew that you'd be editing in some kind of original footage, like stock footage, if you like, but it's not just of Elvis, is it? It's footage of the time. Oh, definitely, yeah. That was another important, you know, something we kind of, we, we kind of realised uh, kind of early on in the development of the movie that uh, it, it was in, an incredible time of change, uh, particularly here in America, and, uh, you know, kind of helping kind of illuminate kind of what was happening around Elvis, kind of kind of grounded Elvis' story in, in, in the real world uh, and allowed people to kind of relate to it. Uh, but, yeah, so many things happened. And, and again, we, we had to make choices. You know, the, the 1960s sequence, for example, in the movie was 
incredibly short. Um, but that could have been a movie in itself. Um, you know, his, his Hollywood career and, and, and so many things happened. Um, Martin Luther King, JFK, Robert Kennedy. Uh, it, it was just an extraordinary time. And, you know, ultimately we had to make some decisions about where to, where to stop and where to focus the story. The, like the movie, obviously, very long, was much longer. But for the first half of the movie, it's an assault on the senses. I mean, it really like knocks you back <laughs> in your seat. So I would presume, do you find that a lot of people missed an awful lot of nuances, an awful lot of small moments, if you like? Blink it, you'll miss it. And you'd love people to see it twice or three times. Oh, definitely, Dave, yeah. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of kind of subliminal kind of shots of the real Elvis actually in the movie. Yeah. That people kind of, you know, kind of, they sense them, but don't actually see them. And it's only on repeated viewings that, that people go, oh, what? there's the real Elvis actually in, in the first few minutes of the movie. And, and no one actually knows. Uh, so it, it was kind of, bad as films typically are, and the souls and the senses uh, yeah. in, in the first half before they kind of settle down into a, into a more considered kind of rhythm. So in other words, yeah, like I mean, yeah, if, if, if a lot of stuff was left on the editing floor or the cutting floor, room floor, which it had to be, um, are you saying a lot of that would have been, it would have been so much nicer to see full songs of, you know, Austin doing his thing, but it just, it wasn't that kind of thing? Oh, it definitely did. Uh, you know, Austin, some of the takes we did were like 20 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, with Austin singing kind of three full songs, uh, on, on the Vegas uh, showroom floor. Suspicious Minds, for example, was, you know, seven minutes long, uh, the way we recorded it. Now, we could never have that in the movie, you know, in its entirety, because um, we were cutting back to, you know, the colonel was you know, on the showroom floor, wheeling and dealing and, you know, trapping uh, Elvis in a, in a cage. Um, so, uh, yeah, th- those performances uh, definitely exist in, in their full versions, but, uh, you know, in a movie, you, you can't do that. So well, I'm going to take a guess and say that you weren't around for what I would call Elvis's heyday, because to me, Elvis's heyday is 54 to 68. He then got lost and went into the army, and when he came back, a few pop songs, yeah. and then like it's it's um, either the uh, at least the comeback gig in 68, or it's it's just basically Vegas and all the rest of it. So on that note, did you learn? a lot about Elvis doing this, much more than you ever would have known, knowing how famous he was, knowing he was the king of rock and roll, but really learning now just exactly what it meant culturally. Oh, I really did, Dave. I, I had no idea, to be honest. You know, I, I grew up with with Elvis's kind of cultural kind of wallpaper. Um, you know, kind of, I was always knew his music, you know, he was used selling cornetto ice creams at home, and he, he was this omnipresent all around me, but I never really kind of knew anything about the man. Uh, and I never really had a full appreciation of his music until I did a deep dive into what it all meant, what the man was about. Where were you when you heard about the nomination, by the way? It was 5.30 in the morning uh, here in Los Angeles. So I was actually in bed with my wife and uh, and two uh, Elvis babies. Uh, this, uh, this project went on so long, Dave, I actually had two children uh, in the course of making this movie. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we were all in bed uh, watching the 
the live broadcast and uh, yeah it was it was very exciting yeah I'd say it was alright obviously it was pretty challenging to edit a film like Elvis but you've been working with Baz Luhrmann for these bunch of years so that sounds very exciting and challenging itself anyway one of the reasons why you started doing all this was that you got the gig from Moulin Rouge on the back of your experience with the specific editing software that you were using in Dublin at the time and is that what sort of opened the door for you? It, it certainly was Dave uh, I, I worked in Dublin with a really talented editor called Brian McHugh and um, he was doing lots of music stuff he worked with a company called Dream Chaser uh, who did oh, yeah. a lot of kind of U2 stuff and, and music stuff so uh, it kind of gave me a background in uh, in working with music editing with music and picture and, and that really kind of paid off for me and uh, the system he used was the system called Lightworks and when I went to Australia uh, it kind of made me a relatively rare commodity. Uh, uh, Moulin Rouge was being cut on a lightworks, so uh, when they needed help, um, you know, I got offered a job. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was thanks to all those years working with Brian that, uh, that allowed me to uh, succeed. Uh, so definitely got my foot in the door. Right, indeed. And you're in the door. Now, do you, do you work with other directors besides Baz Luhrmann? Baz has kind of kept me pretty busy, actually, for yeah. for, for many, many years. Uh, there's, there's always kind of something going on. Uh, so I have worked on kind of uh, other smaller things, a few commercials here and there, but, but nothing substantial, nothing nothing like this. Well, then I have to ask, are you, are you doing Baz's next, whatever that happens to be? Uh, I'm talking with him at, at the moment about uh, doing a, a little kind of side project. Uh, but... Uh, but who knows? There's uh, a big world out there. Yeah, it's a big. Um, well, it's a big we'll night see. as well coming up with the Oscars. So obviously you're going to be along to that. You're also nominated for a BAFTA. Will you be heading to both ceremonies? I will, Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll be heading over to London uh, in, in a few weeks' time for that. So right. pretty excited about that. And yeah, hopefully make it home as well. Have you folks. have you written a speech yet? I want to thank. Uh, Bridie and I want to thank the two Elvis babies kind of stuff <laughs> uh, I, I haven't yet but uh, yeah we'll work on that I, I mean the, the challenge we're up against Dave is is uh, is, is pretty massive so uh, you know it's, it's just great to be nominated and it's great to be part of the conversation right and, you know, yeah, whatever happens um, I feel very privileged very um, where are you from in Dublin is Sandy Cove is it is that the area yeah yeah that, that's right uh, my my folks still live there, and uh, yeah, kind of grew up in Sandy Cove, and uh, yeah, that was my my stopping ground growing up. Right. Well, I'm sure they'll be watching, and we'll, let's let's take a look at it. So, listen, film editor John Jonathan Redmond, Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us, and obviously the very best of luck at the Baftas on February 19 and the Oscars then on March the 13th. Have a great night at both, no matter what happens. As you say, great to be nominated, and even better to win, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Brilliant. Jonathan, we'll talk so to you much, again. Dave. Thanks Thank you. so much indeed for talking with us. Good luck. Take it easy. Bye. Pre- Bye. Appreciate it. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 Dave Fanning on 2FM.